There's such a desperate need for us to get outside, to get back into the elements, to remember what it really means to be human, to to be in community, to connect with people face to face. Hello, and welcome to the Flowering She Rosebud cast. My name is Anna, or for the purpose of this podcast, Anahita, bearer of roses. I'm here to bridge plant and human consciousness as we gather in this virtual garden and explore how plants can help us awaken our feminine essence. It's my prayer that these personal stories, transmissions, and medicine music may remind you of the sacredness of this magical life and the power that lies in your intuitive nature. Hi friends and welcome to episode 13 of the Flowering She Rose Budcast. Today's guest is Flora Ware and we'll be talking about living and attuning to the cycles of the sun, the moon, about female menstrual cycles and sacred feminine archetypes. So first of all, I want to say that I chose the quote from my conversation with Flora that preceded the intro music. When I was editing this episode, which we recorded at the end of February, and I'm aware of the irony that in the current situation where we're facing lockdowns, social distancing, isolation, staying indoors, that this call to action is actually not what is currently asked of us given our global health situation. Now, I've decided not to change the blurb because of it, because I still fully stand behind what Flora is saying. And (sighs) I still believe that being outdoors, communing with nature, and real community, touch, five-sense friends, face-to-face contact is the most important things for us humans at this time. I have realized that the work that I've been doing online and with the podcast has not been taking care of some of my fundamental needs, such as my need for community and for financial stability. So after the conversation with Flora, I'm going to share a few more words of closure and, um, of the process of where I'm at right now with regards to working virtually. So for now, let's begin with a few words about Flora. Flora Ware is a dream igniter, sacred business coach, and ceremonial priestess. As a leadership mentor, she helps women hear their soul's voice, awaken the goddess within, and align their life and work with their unique feminine power. Flora is deeply connected to her pagan, Celtic, ancestral, and spiritual roots, having been on the path as a practicing witch since her first full moon women's circle in 1993. Currently, Flora is apprenticing in the Avalonian priestess lineage with a 13-moon mystery school. She lives in Vernon, BC, Canada, with her wife and six-year-old wizard in training. Welcome, Flora to the Flowering She Rose podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Usually I 
like to end the conversations on the podcast with a flash round of questions. But for today, I thought that I would start with these three questions so that we can get to know you a little more and then dive deeper into our conversation about um, living in tune with the cycles. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, wonderful. All right. The first question that I like to ask all of my guests is, if you were an essence or an essence blend, what would you be? Mm, what a great question. You know, my one of my favorite scents is vetiver. And so that's what's coming to mind right now is that earthy, grounded, um, it's a root. I just love that smell. It instantly gets me grounded and feels expansive. Mm, I, I'm actually not familiar with the smell, but just you saying the word has me feeling my root. <laughs> <laughs> what is your current plant ally and what is it teaching you? Mm. Well, where I am, we're still in winter, just transitioning into early spring. So I can't say that I'm, I feel connected to a plant ally, like actually out in my garden, but Almost every morning I drink a cup of licorice root tea. And so I'm going to acknowledge licorice as my, as my plant ally right now. Um, it is so calming and soothing of my throat. And it's just the perfect way for me to start every day with a nice hot cup of licorice tea. So thank you, licorice. Mm, yes. Very sweet as well, right? Yeah. Again, it's funny now that I'm saying vetiver is a root and licorice root. So I guess I'm mm -hmm. feeling, <laughs> feeling the allies that keep me rooted. Yeah. And especially you in Canada, you're still in winter in root season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. <laughs> which brings me to the next question, which is, what is happening in the seasons around you? What are you noticing in your surroundings, in the flora and the fauna, we're all in different parts of the world. Yeah. Well, the earth is definitely waking up and the snow is melting. Just recently, uh, the little snowdrop flowers have been making an appearance. They're the, always the first ones to come out. And in the shaded parts, you know, where they don't get sun, there's still snow. And that's always an interesting process to see how long it takes for that snow to melt that doesn't get the direct sun. But anywhere that there is direct sun, the snow is melting and it's still in that like dusty, uh, dirty kind of part of the season because the spring rains have yet to begin. But uh, I'm seeing more more birds coming back. Even the Canada geese are returning to where I am. Where I am in BC is actually uh, like it's a warmer part of the country. So we're really lucky to even be feeling early spring where we are. But yeah, it's a wonderful time of the season because you really feel the days are getting longer. Um, there's more sun. Yeah, the earth is waking up and spring is right around the corner. Hmm. You know, I just went for a walk before 
uh, getting on the call with you. And I was also watching a flock of birds flying back up north in a V formation. And I'm not sure if it was geese or, or herons or what they're called. Um, it's not just like I see them, I hear them, I witness them. It actually has such an effect on my inner landscape and on my inner being as well to ah, feel this exhale and know that, yeah, spring is returning. Yeah. And it's it's also so amazing. You were mentioning the snowdrops here in Germany on the other side of the world. It's the Northern Hemisphere as well, but I have snowdrops in my backyard too. And how these plants are just the same <laughs> despite this distance. It's just really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Today, we're going to dive into a topic that's really dear to you and that you teach about, and it has to do with living in tune with and attuning to nature's cycles and the cycles of the sun and the moon. You briefly mentioned the things that are changing with the return of the sun as spring is coming now. So even though in in this modern day and age, we have artificial lighting all the time. There's still still something that's stirred within us. And um, I'm wondering if you'd like to speak about that a little more. Yeah, absolutely. You just touched upon a really important piece that we are exposed to so much artificial light in this day and age, more so than our ancestors ever were, right? Like I I like to remind people because it's still a fact that kind of shocks me that even a hundred years ago in 1920, electricity was not a given in every building just a hundred years ago. So when we think about the history of, of humanity, you know, as us, as a species on this planet, the last hundred years have just been kind of crazy (laughs) for us in terms of how far removed we've become from being connected to nature. There's just been artificial light. There's been man-made plastics and Mm. chemicals and, um, you know, so-called medicines. And when I stop and think about it, the last 100 years has been just insanity. (laughs) And now here we are, you know, in 2020. And it's like so many of us are, are realizing just how disconnected we've become and how unhappy a lot of these choices have made us. Like it's it's so unnatural for us to spend days and days indoors and not going outside. When in, in any time in history would we not be in the elements, right? And so we've lost our deep connection and relationship to the seasons and to the the lunar cycles. Those were our only two sources of light for the longest time. And, you know, of course we had, we had fire and we had torches and, you know, figured out oil lamps along, along the way. But when it was nighttime, it was dark. And how many of us spend time in the dark anymore? Yes. There's healing in that. Yeah. Right. There's healing in that. And when it, when it gets cold, it's like we turn on the furnace and we, you know, we turn on all the lights and, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but 
more often than not, what I'm seeing and certainly what inspires me and the work that I do with creating spaces and really opening conversations for us to get reconnected because the seasons and even time, like our ancestors understood that as being part of a cycle. And this is what's now called cyclic living. Um, our ancestors didn't need to call it anything like that. That was just life. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it was just life. <laughs> and for women, especially, our our menses, our menstruation and our own cycles being echoed, being visually represented by the, the, the moon cycles, you know, that's an ancient relationship that again, we as a species have had for tens of thousands of years as long as as long as there's been humans we've looked to the skies and looked to the moon and the sun for for information and for guidance and we aren't doing that anymore and so i believe that it's vital for us now um, in the 21st century to remember how important that is yes and also you were mentioning the word insanity And how more and more people are struggling and being unhappy. Um, and we have this word, is it seasonal affectional disorder right. that we use to diagnose people who are going through the winter blues, or perhaps a bad case of it. And um, what you were saying just made me wonder whether we would have this winter blues if we are allowed ourselves as a society to really in winter and in the darker times of the year, bathe in that darkness and recharge. Uh, recharge our nervous systems and our endocrine systems as well. Mm. Yeah, letting letting the dark be dark. Letting things be, be slow. Letting ourselves not be so busy. I think a lot of, a lot of our mental health imbalances that we're seeing also have to do with that we're more isolated than ever before. Mm. And that's a big piece. Like we can survive those long, dark, cold winters, but we survive them together, right? In community. And yeah, that's something that I think about a lot too, about why are we alone indoors in like artificially <laughs> controlled environments? And there's such a desperate need, um, at least from what I'm seeing, for us to get outside, to get back into the elements, to remember what it really means to be human, to, to be in community, to connect with people face-to-face, You know, and I, I say that as someone who loves the internet and is so grateful for all of the blessings that it has brought us. And we still need to remember to get out of the house. <laughs> I've been hearing the words lately, go outside like it's your job. Mm. <laughs> and have been sitting here in my living room in It's not a square box of an apartment because I live um, under the roof, so it's it's slanted. <laughs> But um, just thinking that there's something deeply wrong, first of all, with me being here alone or, or alone with my daughter at times. Mm. <laughs> Second of all, with the shape of this, well, rather sterile environment and the fact that my feet are not on – some type of um, natural surface, but on 
well, it's, I think it's linoleum that's made to look like wood. <laughs> and um, <laughs> feeling more than ever in my life, this deep urge to spend as much time as possible outdoors. And then, though, trying to balance that urge that I go after and, and I'll just, and this winter I've just been allowing myself to go and sit on patches of moss and really slow down and be that wood elf. Um, at the same time, managing life within this society has just been really hard. Like my financial resources are really low and um, there's this, this, drive this desire that I'm noticing that I feel like is so in tune with nature's cycles that I'd like to go after. But how do I, how do I make that work as a member of society? And, and I think you already gave a really important answer because when you were talking about this importance of, of attuning our lives to the cycles, I, I heard this question come up also for my listeners, well, how am I supposed to do that as a, as a mom or as someone with a job or with several jobs even? And, and then you said, we're not meant to do this alone because mm. it's because I'm trying to do it all that it's just not possible, but um, we're not meant to be doing it alone. Yeah. Mm. Oh, you bring up so many important pieces. And, and I love that you're naming the kind of the objection, right? Like, oh, this sounds great. Yeah. Cyclic living, you know, being in tune with, <laughs> with nature, but how am I really supposed to do that? Well, you know, it's not something that anyone needs to do perfectly. In fact, it's not even anything that can be done perfectly. Um, I'm talking about, you know, noticing the nature that is around you, even if you live in a big city and you're on your commute to work, but can you at least give yourself that gift on your commute to look around and notice what's, what's different in the environment today? You know, we're, we're surrounded by nature all the time, but we just often aren't paying attention. And, you know, I'm a mom as well. And my, my son who's six now, he has developed a, a fascination with the moon, just like mm -hmm. I have, because I'll include him when I'm when I'm peeking out in the evening, I'll include him, I'll say, Hey, I'm, I'm just gonna go, go outside and see if I can see the moon, you want to come with me. And he, of course, you know, wants to and he now knows the difference that if we're seeing the moon in the, in the evening, it's a waxing moon. And if we're seeing the moon in the early morning, it's a waning moon. And, you know, that makes me so proud <laughs> as a mom. <laughs> and, and you just taught me something. My daughter and I, she's four, we are constantly looking at the moon in the sky. She knows to point it out to me. And, and sometimes in the mornings, she'll be in the trailer in the bike and I'll be, you know, biking to the forest preschool and we'll see the moon. Mm -hmm. And I always wondered why is it so different that sometimes you see it by day and sometimes you see it by night. So you said the waxing is the one that you see in the evening? Yeah. The, so from new moon to full moon is the waxing 
increasing phase. And by the time that it's uh, the waxing half moon, you'll start to see it in the later day. And then towards the full moon, you see you see it in the evening. But then yeah, if you start to pay attention after the full moon, you can often not see the moon for a week unless you're a night owl, because after the full moon, the moon doesn't rise until after midnight. And then it will set often before you know, we're awake. But then when it gets back to the waning half moon again until the waning crescent, you have to be up in the morning to see it. So that's, yeah, the different phases of the moon um, because the moon rise is about 40 minutes later every day throughout each cycle. Oh, this is reminding me of a part of the book, The Mists of Avalon, where... One of my favorites. I figured, yeah, because you're you're in an Avalonian priestess lineage. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this part in the book where Morgane, the main character who's kind of gone back into the world, who's left Avalon, who's become a queen, she's in the middle of worldly affairs, remembers that she's actually a priestess. And she teaches herself to be able to tell time by the place where the moon rises and the time where the moon rises. And I remember her saying that a real priestess knows it in her bones and in her blood. She's just in such a deep relationship with the moon and she studied it. And I imagine that that's the way that it was for our ancestors as well, that they just knew at which point in the horizon and at what time the sun would rise and would set and the same for the moon. Yes. I remember that part in the book too. And it's been so long since I've read it. And in fact, what I remember is like her kind of frustration with herself that she had to like count on her fingers again, like an initiate. Yes. You know, she had to put herself back in there to learn again. And thank you for for reminding me of that part. That's so true. I often say, yes, if this is something new for anyone to start paying attention to the lunar cycles and, and learning about the moon, that in the beginning, it can feel like, oh, this new thing that you're learning, and maybe that's that's overwhelming, or maybe it's exciting and all of that. But before you know it, you just know what phase the moon is as easily as you would know, like what day of the week it is. Like eventually it gets to that point because <laughs> you're just paying attention. Yes. And I do like that your, mm, what you were saying earlier kind of took some weight off of me when you were talking about how we don't need to have it be perfect. That if if you're just beginning, you can start with one thing. You can maybe choose to notice the moon or choose to notice the seasons. And I'm a perfectionist. For me, it's often like all or nothing. But what you said made me exhale and realize that I have been doing enough. For example, this winter, I would often turn off the lights at seven or eight and just decide that the day was done and that I wanted to be in darkness and feel the longing to have other humans around me (laughs) on some of those evenings. But just to make that decision, um, yeah, allows me now to celebrate that rather than mourn that I couldn't do more. Yeah. And it's still more than I than I did 10 years ago when I had no awareness right. about these things. Oh, I'm so glad you're bringing this forward because the perfectionism really blocks us and that all or nothing mentality can be really damaging. And 
I want to bring up that recently I just read a quote and I wish that I could give credit, but I don't remember, but they were talking about zero waste, this idea that, you know, when we want to get to a a place of, of zero waste in our society and it's a lofty goal. And she said, we don't need a hundred people doing zero waste perfectly. What we need is millions of people doing zero waste imperfectly. Hmm. And I just thought, exactly. And, you know, and that's what I want to see too, is millions of us cyclic living imperfectly. Yeah, because we can't go backwards. We can't start pretending like we don't have lights installed, like we don't have fridges running. Um, there are some pioneers out there or people in eco-villages that do that. And I think it's it's a wonderful inspiration, but it... I think that, you know, with more and more people living in urban areas, it's got to stay practical. Yeah. And in fact, this awareness in some ways I feel is even more important for people living in urban areas. You do have to kind of work a little harder sometimes because that's where there's just less connection to nature. So it's like you want to cultivate it. It's really a cultivation of a connection. And really all of this is about feeling connected to your own nature, that we are part of nature. We're not separate from nature. So living with an awareness of the cyclic nature of of time and, and of like the ebb and flow of energy, of the seasons of the moons, whatever it is, maybe you start you know, especially as women often start by tracking their, their menstrual cycles and, and, ha- and getting really into an awareness and a rhythm with, with that cycle. And then that brings an appreciation to the cyclic nature of, of everything else that's around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I'm really glad that you're bringing up the menstrual cycle. So lately, at times I've actually not been unaware of where the moon is. I was totally surprised by the new moon. Instagram told me about it, <laughs> people <laughs> posting about it, because I've um, I felt like I am way more dominated by my menstrual cycle, which is shorter than a lunation period. So the a month or a you know, the word month that's derived from the word moon is 28 to 29 days. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like there are two different things. The moon in the sky and my um, inner moon aren't necessarily in sync. And I was wondering if you had any experience with that. Yeah, I'm glad that you're bringing this up because that's, that's a misconception too. Like, again, with this information age that we are in. And I I laugh, you know, it's like, oh, I knew it was a new moon because of my Instagram feed, right? (laughs) We're going to find out in case we haven't, you know, looked at our calendar or whatever. Um, (laughs) But yeah, there's this misconception almost like that there's like a right time to bleed. And, you know, and that's just not true. Um, I'm, I'm even skeptical of that information of like, oh yeah, we used to all bleed on the on the dark moon, on the new moon, and everyone was fertile on the full moon. Like, I'm just thinking like, really? Like, how do you know this? Did you read the women's diaries from back in the day or whatever? You have a shorter cycle. Sometimes maybe you are um, menstruating with with the new moon. The last four years that I've been paying attention to this in terms of how it connects to 
other areas of my life. Because I mean, I believe I started first tracking my cycle probably at least 20 years ago. But in the last four or five years, I've noticed that for the winter and the spring, I bleed on the full moon. So I seem to be on a red moon cycle in the winter into the spring. And then summer moving into the autumn, I move into a dark moon cycle. And I consider myself to have a fairly regular period, like in terms of length, like there's of course variations, but so even someone with a regular cycle is going, it's going to move throughout the months. So there's, yeah, there's definitely no right or wrong. And also I want to speak to what you said that, oh, I'm not really feeling the new moon energy because our periods are our new moon. (laughs) That's our reset. Mm -hmm. So you could absolutely have your own spiritual practice of doing like a similar kind of new moon journaling or a new moon ritual on the day one of your period. If that was something that felt more resonant for you, there's, there's no right or wrong way to do magic. Magic isn't something that you do. It's something that you are. And so make it work, you know, make it work for you. So with all of this talk about the new moon and the night skies, I feel like it's the perfect time to introduce today's featured musician, Anathist, and her song, All Night. The way that I found out about Anna's music was through a call for musicians that I did via Instagram, and one of my dear listeners, Layden, connected the two of us. Anna's been writing music since she was 12, but it was really when her younger sister died when Anna was 20, and she played at her funeral that she came to see the power of music. It has helped her heal over the years, and more recently, she's felt the call to record. So her first EP, Fly Again, is currently in the making, and she's preparing to release it sometime this summer. Fly Again is a collection of songs that is her process around living her life again after loss. And this song that we'll be playing today is actually a home recording, a demo version. So in a super fresh and tender phase. And I think it's so special, Anethyst, that you are sharing it with our listeners. So this is Anethyst's song, All Night. Enjoy. By the way of the moon, by the way of the skies, I will be home soon. I will not be out all night By the way of the moon By the way of the skies I will be home soon I will not be out all night All I'll be gone for good I will be out all night If I spoke the truth I'm living a life Part of me sleeps Whenever at night I'll
That was All Night by Anethyst, and as always, I'll be linking to Anna's Instagram page in the show notes, which is where you'll be able to find out all about her EP and album release once the time has come. And I forgot to mention earlier that Anna calls her music Fairy Folk. Isn't that perfect? Fairy Folk on Flowering She Rose, she being also the Irish word for a certain type of fairies. Now let's get back to today's conversation with Flora Ware. Everything is cyclic. We have the days, we have the months, we have the seasons and the years. Mm -hmm. And another thing that I've noticed as I've been journaling and, and tracking what's happening in my life more in accordance to the seasons is that every year at the same time, the same topics come up the same feeling. And sometimes I, I'm not aware of it. And, and then I'm like, oh, oh, okay. That's why this is happening. It happened last year and it happened the year before. For example, around this time of year, February, March, April, I usually get an intense urge to quit my job and start completely anew. And that's actually what I did. <laughs> what I've done and and go searching for something entirely different. <sighs> There's an urgency that goes with it, with it and um I'm not surprised that it that it's happened again this year. And so yeah, there there's just so many circles, the smaller ones, the bigger ones. And who knows, once I'm older, I might see how there's circles that span over several uh years of our lives, maybe 7-year cycles. Yeah. Isn't that what we all hope for? Like the wisdom that comes with age? <laughs> um, I mean, I can relate because at 42 now, I, I do have a totally different perspective on my life and also life in general than I did at 21, which was half of my lifetime ago. You know, it's amazing to think. I'm fascinated by what you shared in that you see these these recurring themes come up for you at similar times of the year. And so I'm curious, like when it came up for you this year, were you able to, you obviously really recognize that you're like, Oh, isn't that interesting? That's an urge. I just want to quit my job. I want to try something new. Like did that awareness of it allow you to act differently or to choose differently? Or were you able to be like, okay, this is just that time of year when I go a different direction. Like how did that work out for you this year? It's really 
something actually dies around this time of year. Um, for example, two years ago, I I quit my part-time office job and decided to become a full-time postpartum doula and go all into self-employment. I had finished my training and had been doing it for half a year when in April or late March, I completely lost interest entirely in anything that had to do with uh, little children being around and went through a really dark phase and ended up taking that old office job back. And then the year after that, actually, it's the time when I also let go of that office job internally. I didn't quit till the summer, but that's when the podcast was born. This year, I've been letting go of the idea that I would make a living through my online business. And I don't know what's to come yet. And it feels like it's better not to hold on. There's this awareness and it it might look to others like, oh, wow, uh, she goes through things really quickly. Where did her enthusiasm for this or that go? But yeah, it seems like it's not really up to me. (laughs) (laughs) More like something to surrender. Yeah, that's really interesting because like you said, it, I know it's not serving me to, to hold on to this anymore. That's right. Whatever it is you're holding on to, like, you know, often it's a belief about ourselves, an idea that we're supposed to be doing something, or, or it can be something tangible, like holding on to a job or a relationship or, you know, a place that we're living, right? The more that we are in trust of the cycles, and also the more that we are in trust of our own intuition and allowing our life to be guided by that, then yeah, we live the kind of lives that change all the time because we're not just holding on and staying the course and staying at the job and, you know, because it takes bravery to change and Hmm. not everyone lives that way. And so absolutely, you know, we, we live the kinds of lives that other people look at and go, Oh my God, like how, you know, it can, it can look maybe unstable or it can look also maybe really exciting and adventurous and free spirited. And yeah, it's free spirited. We're being guided by spirit. We're being guided by intuition and by the, the movement, the flow. Yeah. The flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And come to think of it, the astrological new year begins with Aries season. So Mm -hmm. Pisces season is actually the last month of the astrological year. Yes. It's like the final time for things to be let go of before the new growth period starts, since the astrological calendar is built around what happens in nature and in our agricultural growing season here in the Northern Hemisphere. Mm -hmm. So Aries season beginning in late March is when things start to sprout. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, <laughs> I laugh at like how many different calendars or systems I can be aware of <laughs> because like Samhain or Halloween is, is often called the witch's new year. And so that's end of October. And my birthday happens to be October 30th. So it's like, for me, that's a really significant date. Then of course you have like the winter solstice and like, that's when like the light year really dies. And then there's the calendar new year, the Gregorian calendar, which is, you know, what it is. Again, a calendar that's only been in place for 
200 years, 250 years tops. Anyway, um, <laughs> then we have like the Lunar New Year, or it's also called the Chinese New Year, which mm-hmm. is on the new moon, which is like the, the Aquarius new moon, right? Whatever the second new moon is, you got that. And then, of course, yeah, astrology begins with Aries, begins with the spring equinox. It's like, oh, all this new. <laughs> Choose what suits you. Choose your own adventure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and really, your birthday is also a new year. Yeah. In its own way. Anybody's birthday can yeah. feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> we do like newness collectively. You brought up a really great point. Before anything new can come into form, there is always a death and yes. a change and something that needs to to be let go. And we as a society can have such an aversion to change and to death that even when we're desperately calling in something new, there's another part of us that is just equally desperate to hold on to things the way that they are. (laughs) (laughs) And I see this all the time, you know, with clients that I work with, especially you know, entrepreneurs, they want the the business growth, they want the expansion, they really want that. And then they'll have a little taste of it. And then a part of them freaks out. And they think, oh, my goodness, like, can I handle this? Or, you know, like, it brings up like feelings of worthiness, or am I ready? So we're always in this dance. Dance is a really graceful way of of saying it, uh, and I think I will I will apply that image to my own life because lately it's been feeling more like um, I'm schizophrenic or so because uh. I go between feeling like oh yes I get feedback from someone on the work that I'm doing around flowering she and uh, I have some new ideas yes I'm going to put all my energy into this and focus on this yes because it's really what I want and then the next day I go through some emotional breakthrough and I realize that oh no actually I think I'm meant to be back in society again people seeing real people face to face and um, working in a team and then a week later you might you know, end up talking to me on the phone and I'll be back. I'll be back on the other end of the spectrum. (laughs) Okay. Well, this really sounds like a bit of a a shadow of the creatrix archetype, if I can bring that into our conversation here, because (laughs) the creatrix archetype has so many ideas, is basically just like an open channel for inspiration and ideas and which is a beautiful, brilliant thing. Right. And so, yeah, when we are creatives, it can feel, I guess, a bit schizophrenic or just like overwhelming because there's just always a new idea. There's never going to be a lack of inspiration or ideas, but which one to follow through on, like what to focus on, that's when it can fall into a bit of a shadow aspect of that. So that's, (laughs) that's interesting. Yeah. It's also that the death process isn't linear either. Just like the birth process isn't linear, the baby's head moves down the birth canal and then back a bit again and down and back again. And I I think that this oscillating pattern is natural. And it's just that I'm, I'm not ready to bury this idea of an online business that I've held for a while. Mm-hmm. from one day to the next. And this other thing is also not not fully born yet. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that dance in, of the in-between. 
But I'm also really glad that you brought up the creatrix archetype. You have an online quiz that I took, and it's about how to find your goddess archetype. And when I took it, it changed my life. I'm not kidding. This quiz was not only really fun to take, but uh, it really got me thinking and opened something in me. So the result that I got was the creatrix archetype. There are other archetypes, seven of them, right? Yes. I love that. I love that reflection. Thank you, sister. That's, I mean, that's, that's brilliant that it, it, it awoken something in you, you know, the seven archetypes, I connect them to this, our seven chakras, you know, archetypes are another wonderful tool for us to really more deeply understand ourselves and also more deeply understand everyone around us on a different level, on a more of like a mythic plane, mm. right? Because archetypes take us beyond our individual personalities. They go beyond our egos. They transcend all of that. And so we often have like a primary archetype and a secondary archetype, but we really have access to all of them. And the reason that I can see your creatrix shadow so clearly is because I'm a creatrix as well. (laughs) We're sacred mirrors for each other as well. And um, I had to learn how to kind of like, yeah, turn off the inspiration faucet a little bit. And yeah, to get more focus. Focus is a a sacred skill for sure. Mm. And what are the other archetypes? Mm. Yes. Okay. So... In the root, I really see the the maiden, um, our root chakra being our our sense of of belonging and our sense of safety, and the maiden archetype being, I mean, especially as women, these are sacred feminine archetypes. So, um, women or or female identified, the maiden, it's our like the maiden was our first expression in life, young girls, young women, um, and the maiden is is very creative you know, like the creatrix, very, very creative, very playful, very innocent, um, vulnerable. And I won't get into all of the light and the shadow qualities here, but the maiden, she's really a lovely archetype that doesn't always continue to be expressed as the more we get into our adult lives. You know, it can, it can be some women really do. I really see here as like kind of like this special time in our lives, you know, and it's a really beautiful um, archetype to often connect back into, especially when we're doing any kind of like inner child healing. Mm. That's our root chakra. And our sacral chakra is the mother with the mother that gives, that gives birth to life uh, and to ideas and to projects. um, and, And actually not only gives birth to them, more importantly, nurtures them, <laughs> takes care of them. And like I said, not not only human children, but the mother archetype really nurtures communities and um, yeah, and different projects. It's a nurturing archetype. It's a life-giving archetype, right? In our womb. Then in our solar plexus, put a hand over your solar plexus here. This is our place of power. And we know that if we've done any chakra work, right? But what does that mean? Well, in the, in the solar plexus, we have our wild woman archetype and oh boy, this archetype is really repressed in our society as a whole. And in a lot of women, 
you know, how often do we let that wild woman come out? And um, so often she's seen in the shadow side of her where she's just untamed, you know, doesn't doesn't care about other people's feelings, can be really self-serving. But there's there's also the light qualities of like how courageous she is and and free. So the wild woman archetype in our solar plexus. Then in our heart chakras, we have the healer. And the healer brings us the gift of unconditional love and acceptance and compassion and and healers that are really centered in the heart. You know, they have that natural gift of making people feel comfortable around them. Like their presence is warm and healing. Then, of course, though, you know, there's always the shadow side that they often don't take care of themselves as well as they take care of everyone else. Mm-hmm. And then in the throat chakra, we have the creatrix archetype that I already mentioned. And this is the drive of self-expression that, you know, to, to be fulfilled requires creative self-expression. And often it is through the voice with these types, like through speaking or singing, but some kind of expression. And it's a manifesting archetype as well. Like it's like expressing to create things right? To bring things into form. In the third eye, now up in the third eye, is the archetype that I call the crone or the wise woman. And that is a more mature archetype. And I don't just mean with age, like with the wise woman crone, you know, her gift is uh, being a little more objective and having uh, like a bigger picture overview, and in that third eye, you know, she, she's got that visionary energy and the, the gifts of intuition, psychic abilities, or even just foresight. She has the maturity to know if I do this, this is what's likely to happen. Like really carefully considering the consequences of things. <laughs> Less impulsiveness in a way, right? Really, in a lot of ways, if I can connect it to kind of like CEO energy, right? Where it's like at the top, looking over everything, being being the visionary that oversees from that bigger, you know, point of view. So that's a that's a really good energy to bring into anyone who's in business. That's for sure. Hmm. Finally, we have the the crown chakra, and that's where I really feel the archetype of the priestess. And the priestess, of course, is that bridge between spirit and and humanity, that bridge of our divine humanity. And the priestess is distinguished not only through her connection to the unseen realms, but by her commitment to service and leadership. That the priestess is a priestess because she has stepped into a role of leadership to to serve mm-hmm. a community through spirit. And in the crown, that's when we're we're really opened up to the divine part of our nature. So many people are just very connected to our humanity and forgetting that we are that we are also divine. And then of course we see some people that try to like ignore the humanity and just be, you know, divine spiritual, you know, people and and we're mm-hmm. both and the priestess helps us bridge that and brings the spirit into our lives. So that's a quick overview of, um, you know, those seven sacred feminine archetypes that I like to explore and, and how they connect to our chakras and how they inform our lives and how they're expressed through us. Thank you for sharing that. 
Um, is this a system that you set up based on your studies of archetypes and your intuition? It is. Yeah. It dropped in one day <laughs> and was like, oh, there it is. Like this really, you know, makes sense for me. And this came after studying the traditional Jungian archetypes. And then also I had studied archetypes with Dr. Jean Shinoda Bolin, who wrote a fantastic book, which is a, a great introduction. If, you know, if you want to read a book, it's called Goddesses in Every Woman. Um, and she has her system there. It's entirely centered on the Greek pantheon of goddesses, Artemis, Aphrodite. And so I had been playing with that. I'd been exploring, I'd been studying and I loved working with archetypes that weren't directly connected to any particular deity or culture, right? Because that's the beautiful mm -hmm. thing about archetypes. They transcend all of that. Like we, we can see different goddesses that relate to these archetypes, but they aren't them, right? Like they're more mm -hmm. dynamic. So cool. I'm definitely going to link to the quiz in the show notes so that people can go and get their results right away. So, Flora, what are your current offerings? And uh, how can people work with you? How can they find out more about you? Mm, thank you. Yeah, one of, one of my new free offerings that I've just created um, that I'm excited to share is the Cyclic Living Guide. And Uh, it really outlines in a beautifully visual way uh, the eight phases of the solar and lunar cycles. And so I want to share the link so that you can sign up for that cyclic living guide and print it off and have it on your wall and, and begin to work and attune with it. Um, and otherwise, if you want to connect with me more, um, you can yeah find me on Instagram or visit my website, which is strengthandsoul.com. Wonderful. Yeah. So um, everybody go check out Flora's website, strengthandsoul.com. She has many free offerings and upcoming summits and also various ways to work one-on-one. -on -one. Flora, I really enjoyed today's conversation and everything that we touched upon. I think it's very empowering information for all of the women and, and everybody listening to today's episode. So thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us. Mm. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me on. And yes, these conversations are so important for us all. And um, yeah, really, really wonderful to, to speak on all of these subjects with you. And thank you for everything that you are bringing forward and sharing with the world. Mm, thank you. And thank you, dear listener, for being here. I hope that you enjoyed the show. As I mentioned earlier, I wanted to speak a few more words of gratitude and of closure as I've decided to press pause on the podcast and take a break from focusing on the online world. Something that I've seen now, given our global situation is that more and more people are turning towards the online world. At this point right now, people are still pretty optimistic that they'll be able to bridge the time of a lockdown and social distancing by focusing on connections via the phone or the computer. 
So for a short moment, I asked myself whether I should keep up the efforts of the online world. But to be honest, I've really come to a point where I've noticed that the past year or so of focusing on solo work from home for an audience that I cannot see physically in front of me while not having a strong community, a strong offline community to balance that with has really taken a toll on my mental, emotional health. And I've decided to stick with the intention that I set a while ago, which was to publish the last episodes that I had already recorded, to finish editing them, to share them with you, and to then go into a few months of taking a break from the online world and from this podcast as well, and then to see what comes from it, to see what happens, but to really focus for now on well, ironically, building offline community, we'll see how that goes now, and on focusing on things that um, fill up my bank account. And so I wanted to thank everybody who's uh, stuck with me and who's listened to these episodes, given me their feedback, whether you've been with me from the very beginning or only just recently found the podcast. Thank you for receiving, and I wish you all strong hearts strong communities, online and offline. May you trust your intuition through these trying times. Blessed spring equinox to all of you. Much, much love.